his excellent greatness. You agree with that? Let's just bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Almighty God, as we begin to sing this wonderful song, it is no secret what you can do for us. Father, I just pray that you would bless and anoint this service tonight. Lord, may you anoint your people, Father. May your wonderful spirit, Lord, feel so welcome in this building. Lord, may it feel welcome out on the internet for those that are tuning in, Lord. Lord, and as it was preached the other day, we're each one at different places, Lord. And I just pray that you'd come and meet us, Lord, where we need to be met tonight, Lord. Father, wherever we're at in our Christian walk and whatever we're going through, Lord, may we just know that you're mindful of all of our needs, Father. And Lord, whatever it is that each person has upon their heart, help us to believe and know, Lord, that you can discern that. Father, we just love you, dear God, and we thank you so much for all that you do for us. You're so wonderful and you're so worthy to be praised. We lift you up, almighty God. We praise your name, Lord, with our vocals, with our lips, with our hearts, with our minds, Lord. Bless this service now in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and ask. Amen. The congregation says, Amen. It is no secret. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. Sing that with all your heart. It is no secret what our God can do, what he's done for others.
Amen. Could we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Amen. God is so good, isn't he? Yeah. I'm going to do some specials early tonight, Brother Aaron. Come on up. You may be seated. I'm going home someday It won't be long, I pray For Jesus is coming soon To take His bride
For Jesus is coming soon to take his bride away. Now I can't complain, for I have his life, the earnest he To only his wife He whispers his love To my heart every day But I yearn to be with him fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Amen. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Aren't you glad for that? Will and sinners plunge beneath that blood, loose all their guilty stain, loose all their guilty stain.
Will the dying thief He rejoice to see That fountain in his day And then may I Though vile as he Wash all my sins away Wash all my sins away Wash all my sins away And then Sing this now. The dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never, never lose its power. Aren't you glad for that? Tell all the ransom church of God are saved. Shall be 
Continue to play that softly. Well, Luther, come on up. We'll pray over the tithes and the offerings. I've got another special for you. You guys to get ready for that. God is awesome, isn't he? You know, people open the door when you're out at work or in different places. And it just I get excited when somebody mentions God or mentions the Bible. And I peek up. My ears peek up. My heart peeks up. Just wait for him to say something, just to try to open that door. And I love talking about the Lord. Man, the atmosphere that comes around when he comes around, right? Come on up, brother. Do you want to read this later? Is it a prayer request or... I'll read it. Please keep me in prayer that the Lord directs my footsteps, that I will walk into the life he has made for me. I was laid off of work, and I pray that I find work with a steady income. I'm working daily to keep a roof over my head. I believe everything will work out as it should, and despite worry. I have peace. Thank you, and God bless. Brother Chris St. John. Amen. I'm going to leave that here. But we are going to pray for it. Amen. I want to um, thank you for praying for my son. It's just victory after victory. The devil's not going to give up the fight, buddy. This is further along than we've ever been. Amen. Um, Nothing short of filled with the Holy Ghost and sealed until the day of redemption. That's my prayer. And that's what God will honor my faith in that amen he said something I evidently listened to Sunday he said he got a free one from brother Jason I was like what was that not to be unequally yoked I kind of laughed but it's good for all of us amen you have a request upon your heart this evening remember my wife sister Melissa wasn't feeling good for two days and she's, she's doing better now she's just a little weak God will give you a job, brother. And I believe that. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I thank you for the work you've done, the work you're doing, and the work you will do. We gather together in your name this evening, Father, with rejoicing in our heart, peace in the promise that we know that you will fulfill your word, Father. We pray for our brother Chris, Lord. Father, you brought him this far. We believe you'll bring him all the way. Lord, and we just pray that your peace will push away any worry, Father. You already expressed his faith and his prayer request, Father. 
And I'll join with my brother that you would just watch over him, keep him, guide him in the path that you have, Father. Thank you for my son, Lord, and just, I thank you for the victories, Father. The devil's fighting, but Lord, you are undefeatable foe. Praise you this evening. I pray that you would bless the hearts, Father, with the requests upon them. And Lord, we pray that you would bless the tithes and offerings. Most of all, Father, that you bless the ministry of your word, but ask that your presence come in a special way this evening to everyone, Lord, that's gathered here, those that are streaming. Lord, there's nothing like a refreshing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Forgive me, forgive us for our shortcomings, Father. Help us to be pleasing in your sight. I love you, Lord. You've made a way. Help us walk in it, we pray. Bless the tithes and offerings in Jesus' name. Amen. For another special, you can be seated.
sing praise God with all your heart. Praise God. 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 invite you to First Kings this evening. God bless you, greet you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Happy to be here in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Told Sister Debbie today in the afternoon, I said, man, I'm so glad tonight is church. And I said, uh, she said, you, you're preaching? I said, yeah. I said, but I'm, I'm just going to be glad to be at church. I don't, it doesn't matter who's preaching. I'm just going to be glad to be at church. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. I, I love church. I love coming. love being around the people. love hearing good preaching. Amen. love singing and worship and praise and the, the feeling that we have of love one for another. Isn't it grand? My, my. First Kings chapter 2. And I hope uh, by the help of the Lord to carry on with my main title on the spirit of lawlessness. This will be part three. However, I would very much like you to bear in mind tonight that I'm taking a subtitle. Uh, you ready for this? <laughs> An ordinary man. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Let's read Second Kings chapter one. I th I'm sorry, Second um, Kings chapter. I'm sorry. Excuse me, gentlemen. First Kings chapter two. <laughs> I think that's what I sent you. If it's not, that's what we're reading. <laughs> First Kings chapter two and uh, verses one through four. Praise God. <clears throat> now the days of David grew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments, and his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper, <clears throat> so there's going to be a benefit of it, see, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. 
So you remember Sunday, we were talking about uh, the, the principle of compound interest and we were making a spiritual connection. You know that if, if you start going the way of carnality, the compounding interest of carnality will pile up and pile up and pile up and pile up until finally, you know, one, it, 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 it becomes one thing that's not so bad. The next thing you know, it's sin. The next thing you know, it's death. I could have went there in the New Testament tonight, but I'm, I, I decided to start right here on David's deathbed sermon to his son Solomon. But in, in perfect contradistinction, if you start sowing the word of God in your life, that has a compounding interest that will multiply exponentially. And here's the beautiful part. You want a good deal? Amen. It'll multiply itself. Yeah. You don't really have to do anything. Just start eating on it. And it'll start multiplying itself in your life. And that's, that's really what David is trying to get Solomon. He's given Solomon long-range advice. See? And he's not really, he's not, you know, he's not even touching on, the, on, on things like, you know, Solomon, you know, be careful of this enemy and be careful of that enemy. And you're going to have to watch out for this in the government and watch out for this in politics. And here, let me give you a lesson I've learned about this in battle and all this. David doesn't feel the need on his deathbed to say any of that. <laughs> his only advice, Solomon, here's all I need you to know. Keep God's word. Follow his statutes. And he will make sure you prosper as you go along the way. And whatever happens, don't worry about it. Because you just keep sowing to the word of God. Amen. And it's going to compound itself. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something, friends. You say, why is that so so much on your heart because that's what we have been doing since 1963 when about <clears throat> five or 600 people sat on Penn Street in Jeffersonville and heard a prophet with the opening of the seals, the most monumental thing since the days that Jesus and the disciples had walked the earth. The thing the church had waited on for 20 centuries. And there's five or 600 people in a little church that used to be a duck pond. A mud, just a swamp, really. And, and here we are tonight, and it's went around the world, and it's found God's children, and you're it. And we're rejoicing. Say, why are we still here? Because it's still compounding. What, what's it going to produce? Something good. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this people gathered out in the midweek. I'm so glad to be here with them, Lord. Now we commit this to you right readily. Father, we want you just to take it over, Lord, and have your perfect will and your perfect way. Set human vessel uh, aside, Lord. Uh, may, you, may you get glory in everything that's said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. Before I start preaching, forget to seat you. <laughs> that's happened before. Not to me, but... I know I got a friend of mine who's a preacher and he got to preaching before he set the people down and he's kept going. And the next thing you know, he'd preached two hours and never set the people down and they respected him so much they just stood. <laughs> they definitely weren't in the South. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. How many are... <clears throat> Happy to figure out that at the end of it all, 
when you've done all that's been asked of you, you're, you're able just to say, I was the Lord's unprofitable servant. I tell you something, friends, I, I ended with that Sunday and I thought to myself, I need to make everybody go back in the church. Oh, I, I, I want to preach a whole sermon, the Lord's unprofitable sermon, servant, because it sounds, it sounds like, oh man, that's too bad, unprofitable servant. No, it's fantastic. It's wonderful because it means that all the pressure's off of me. Jesus paid it all. And all I can do is give my whole self to him and whatever he can use out of it, I'll get full credit on the other side. Isn't that a beautiful thing, friends? You know, because you realize, as I began to realize that I was always going to be that, that I was always going to be that. I was never going to be able to do anything and neither was I asked to, to, think about this, you're not even asked to repay the debt Jesus paid for you. He's never even asked you to repay that. You couldn't pay it anyway. But you've never even been asked to repay that. You've only been asked by the Lord to say, he's knocking at your heart saying, if any man will open, I'll come in. And then when he comes in, he'll start bringing blessings and food and spiritual food in due season. Thanks, sir. And, and I will sup with him and he with me. How many would like to have a meal with the Lord? Wow, and the beauty of it is in the Holy Ghost, as we've, we've quoted so many times in the, in the Bible, that, you know, the, the promise of the Holy Ghost in the New Testament, one of the great benefits would be that no one's going to have to, you know, cross the ocean and bring him, bring him to us. You know, in, in Jerusalem, they had to journey. They had to go to this place. They had to go to this place. They had to go to this place. And when the Holy Ghost come, he's going to be nigh thee, even in thy mouth. You're not going to have to go up to heaven and convince him to come down or cross a sea and bring him back. You're not going to have to jump through rings of fire. All you have to do is say, Father, and right there, that fast, that close, he's right there on the spot. Amen. And that is the beauty of the Holy Ghost. So we find then when David is coming and he is instructing Solomon, it just, it's, it's moving to me. I, you know, I, I, I can relate to, the, I can relate to Solomon uh, as he's standing here, hearing his father giving him these words, you know, and I mean, it's, it, you know, and I, and I got to experience a little taste of that standing the last time I got to stand at the bedside of my father and he, he was he was still at, at, right at 80 years old, just as sure of this gospel as he's ever been. And he's, he's admonishing me to press on and everything's going to be all right. And it doesn't even matter how this ends. It's going to be all right. And you know what? He wasn't wrong. It's all right. Amen. And I am, I am enjoying the fact that that even on his deathbed, he held that confidence. And here David is, is, is so sure of it that he's saying to Solomon, you know, here's the charge I want to give you, Solomon. Verse 2, I go the way of all the earth. So now, in this sense, David is an ordinary man. And I guess we all are ordinary people. We're born, we live, we die. And no one's ever escaped it. The only people who, who that won't ever have to happen to, we can look back at Enoch in the Old Testament as a type of a global bride, we which are alive and remain. I'm glad it says alive and remain because I'm not just alive, I'm remaining. 
Hallelujah. When the trumpet of God sounds, Brother Branham says it like this. He says, it doesn't matter what happens to this body. He says, if, they, if it goes to the flames, if it's eaten by lions, if it, my ashes are scattered to the four winds of the earth, the trumpet will sound and he'll know it's me. Oh, I'll hear that trumpet and I'll come forth and all those elements will come back and nothing can stop it. And so, so we find that, that as, or, you know, this is, I suppose that this is what connects all humanity is that we are all born and we're aging toward an end. And the only, and that's what made Jesus so unique. As Brother Branham said, there, there had been many great men. And moreover, there had been many great men who died for a great cause. He says, but there had never been a man who could lay his own life down. No one could take it from him. He surrendered it. And then that same person, not a different person, that same person could pick himself, raise himself back up from the grave again. That had never been happened. Had, had never happened. Adam tried that. Adam Adam stepped into sin to save Eve. The problem of the first Adam was when he stepped into sin, he got hung himself. And he couldn't get back out. But when the second Adam stepped in, he stepped back out and then pulled his family out with him. Hallelujah. Do you feel the pull tonight? I've been pulled. From certain death. And now it's so certain. I can never die. It doesn't even matter what becomes of this body. The trumpet will sound. And he'll know it's me. See. And I'll raise as we were saying Sunday. I'll come up with the same character I go down with. That's why. Resurrection morning. Holds no fear for me. Because I understand that principle. That, that if I die in the next minutes, I'll come back up with the same love for God that I have right now. I'll have the same faith burning in my heart. So, it, so then it really doesn't matter. So then I'm really not an ordinary man. I'm something more. <laughs> Brother Branham says in possessing the enemy's gates, this is this has just burned on my heart ever since Brother Matt Smith talked about these gates, and it's just such a beautiful thought that he brought there. And I just thought, man, I'm never going to let Satan. You know, they tried to shut Samson in; that wasn't going to work. <laughs> my, was it Brother Caleb just talking about that recently? Brother Branham says, possessing the enemy's gates, whatever you desire, ask in my name. And it shall be given you. He's paraphrasing Christ in the scriptures. A little while. Now watch how Brother Ram says this. A little while and the world. Now you already know the end. Will not see me. But you'll see me. But Brother Ram's going to stick a little, a little description in here. A little while and the world. The not seed. The unregenerated seed. See, everybody has a seed of life. Nobody can, God holds this mystery of life. He's the only one who can give life. 
So everybody, everybody really is alive. Just like I was preaching, and, and I, I preached it here before, and I preached it uh, in other places around the world, how that man was made in the image of God. And therefore, that's what a man is, is a man living after the image of his maker. And I've said, and I say that to young men especially, how that manhood is not a gender, it's an office. You might be a male. That doesn't mean you are or ever will be a man. Because manhood, it bespeaks character and integrity and honesty and decency and morality. Man, because he's made in the image of God. That's a man. See? And so that's why Brother Brandon will say, I've seen men six foot, you know, men 200 pounds. And they didn't have even one ounce of man in them. Amen. Right? So, so this is the beauty of what the word of God does. It makes, it makes, you know, and that's why it says, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. Hallelujah. As we've showed you in the Hebrew, it means he became praying dirt. Amen. He's built out of the dirt. He's built in the animal kingdom as the highest order. But he's the only one of all that animal kingdom that turns and prays. None of the, no other animals do that. So, so now he's at a higher order. He's built in the image of God. And as he's, as he's living in the image of God, this is what makes him, uh, really, this is what makes him a human. Amen. Say, if he... If, he's, if he doesn't, what, what makes him live according to the word of God? The Holy Ghost. What's that? The life of God. Where's it at? In you. Living through you. Well, so if you don't have that, are you not a human? Well, Peter said you're a brute beast. So, yeah, I suppose you're homo sapien. You're, you're above the chimpanzee. I get it. I, I understand that. But you're still just in the beast order. You, you've not become because the human was a living soul. He, he had breathed into him the breath of life and he became in the image of God's life. And sin, uh, he, now when sin comes, that is marred. Brother Branham said, sin come in and marred his picture. But here was the catch. You came anyway, but you were lost. So then God comes in the sinful in the, like sinful man, he comes down in Christ and takes all the sin upon himself. And he who knew no sin became sin. And God judged him. That's what a prophet said. God judged him as a sinner and sent him to hell so you and I would never have to go. That's the gospel. Say, what's the gospel good news? That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. To take the penalty of sin and death and be sent to hell so you and I would never have to go. So if a man goes to hell, he sends himself there. Because he simply refused the provision that God made for him not to have to do that. Hell wasn't even built for humans. It was built for the devil and his angels. But the Bible says, because it had to take in humans, now hell, the Bible says, hell hath enlarged itself. See? And so, so we realize that uh, this whole time now when we're, when we're coming down to say, well, are you, a, are you an ordinary human? Well, I am in one sense an ordinary human. I'm kin to all the human race. I was born the exact same way Amen. that all humans are born. If the Lord tarries, I, my life will end the same way as David said, I go the way of all the earth. Yeah. But we realize 
that when, when God began to break the word to us in the end time, we found out that the thinking in the ages had just always made it seem like that men would just, whoever could make the choice to serve God, then, 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 then they became a son of God. But we found out once the seals were opened and all the mystery and the mighty God was unveiled. No, wait a minute. We found out it's, 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 it's more than that. Amen. That it, it's actually, Jesus said concerning his family, you have actually chosen me. I've chosen you. And you were chosen in me before the foundation of the world. And you didn't become a son at an altar. You only found out you had always been. And by the Holy Ghost, you're now cooperating in the vision. No wonder I want to serve God. No wonder I like coming to church because this body is being brought subject to the vision. That's, why, that's how Jesus said for us to pray that as it is in heaven, so let it be in the earth. See, because that's first. Remember he said to Moses, make the tabernacle. When you build this tabernacle, make sure you build it exactly like the one you saw in heaven. Amen. Don't deviate, not even one ringlet, different. And you say, man, that's a lot of pressure on Moses. Well, it's not because prophets, Brother Branham explained that, that a prophet has an ability that when he sees a vision, he can see it again forever. Amen. It's like permanently photographed in his brain. And, and, and so when he saw it in heaven, there was no doubt he could reproduce it in the earth. And then not only that, God even gave him blueprints and the blueprints made sense to the image that he had when he was there. Oh, I'm so glad God has somebody called a prophet. Hallelujah. Because this is an hour of such uncertainty. We needed a sure voice. So he says here, Whatever you desire, ask in my name, and it shall be given to you a little while in the world, the not seed, the unregenerated seed. So now he's not saying they're not human. They don't have a seed of life. Simply, he goes and he, he breaks the analogy. He's, he breaks down the analogy to say, look, uh, a hen can lay an egg. But if, that, if the hen has not been with the rooster and the egg's not fertilized, it'll never hatch into a chick. See? And so... It's one thing to have the seed of life. It's another thing to have a germ of eternal life that is placed in you the day you were born. Because you're, you say, why was it placed in me the day I was born? Because that's the day you started out in time in the earth as a human. But you had always been in the mind of God. And what happened is, is that followed you here. You understand, it wasn't like God came down and did a microsurgery and said, if they could get a strong enough microscope, they could find it somewhere down. It's not that kind of a seed. It's what I was followed me here because I'm just extended into this time. Hallelujah. No wonder Jesus could say, I come from God. I go back to God. God, rich in mercy, gives the whole world a legit opportunity to save themselves see it's it's a legitimate chance he gave it to everybody he'd be unjust to not but when it comes to this elect lady as john would call her it's all it's a whole different set of rules it's a whole different plan it's a whole different section in the book of life brother i'm use that word section 
It's the lamb section. It's a, it's a section of election. Amen. See? And so, so we find out then that, that, that it's, a, it's all those names are in there. And, and when they get to the judgment, really there's only one question that has to be answered. Is my name still there or has it been blotted out? Say, so what about the bride? She, does, she doesn't come to that judgment at all. She's seated on the throne with Christ. See? Because all her sins done went ahead of her and were met in Jesus. See? So when she gets there, she's already been judged. She's not going to suffer double jeopardy. She's already been judged in Christ. Why, how, how did that happen? Because she allowed this to dominate her life. And, and this made her not ordinary. This made her extraordinary. Are we shorten the word to Extraordinary. The bread shortened it even more to extraordinary. <laughs> it's extraordinary. <laughs> it means you're extraordinary. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not. And, and, and why is that? Because look at, look at what Brother Adam said concerning when he's talking about the humanity of Jesus. And he goes back to Solomon. And he says, just like Solomon was the son of David. So David's in the fatherhood, Solomon's in the sonship, and, and so he says that's the way Jesus was. He says, except Solomon was just a man. Yeah. Amen. See, he's a mere man. He says, but Jesus was a man plus. <laughs> I love that. A man plus. See? He was, and then he comes right behind and he says, he was the God-man. That's what made him the prototype. That's why he's a brand new type of human. He's the beginning of the creation of God and there's a whole kingdom coming behind it who are the continuation of that same creation. Say, what kind of creation was it? A spoken word. Say, well, well when, when do I get it? You already got it if you're born again. The cycle's already started. We got a rapture in cycles, shout voice trumpet. Why should you think that your, your translation is any different? It comes into your soul and makes you, and your soul's already in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. This body, this mind, this, 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 it's still stuck here, but it doesn't even matter. This body could lay down and die today, but the trumpet will sound a trumpet 6,000 years. You talk about compound interest. This trumpet has been compounding interest for 6,000 years ready to blow. Yeah, it's going to bring all the dead of all the New Testament era. It's going to bring them all up. Say, that's going to be one more trumpet. This thing's got compounding interest. It's been working since the upper room. That's 2,000 years just since then. See, don't you worry. It'll get you home. This message has already put you on the road. And it's already from glory to glory, he's changing me. See? So I find then that I'm, I'm an ordinary man, yet I'm not ordinary. I'm a seed that was fertilized with life before the foundation of the heavens and the earth, before the heavens and the earth were even formed. I've been quickened by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, I, the real me, am alive forevermore. Amen. Say, I thought Jesus said that. He said it so you can say it. Behold, I live forevermore. You ought to just let the devil hear that come off your lips. You ought to just raise up those hands and say, because he lives, I live forevermore. 
Because of that day on Calvary, I live forevermore. I'm immune from prosecution. I'm not subject to the devil anymore. He can't force me to do anything. I have power. I've been given power over scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. Hedonism refers to a family of theories, all of which have, and there's a number of them, I'm not going to bore you with the psychology of it all, because they all have uh, one, really, they all have in common that pleasure plays a central role in them. So they have psychological or motivational hedonism. They have, um, wow, I uh, some of these words would even be hard for me to pronounce. And so they have an ethical, uh, normative, an ethical hedonism. And, and they have an axiological hedonism. And, and, and it just the, the, it, the, it goes on and on and on. It goes where it stops, nobody knows. <laughs> and so they even have a folk hedonism. Oh, boy. But, but really, it's a, it's a philosophical position, generally speaking, in that... Happiness is, is pursued and accomplished in this theory of thinking, if this is how you think, that happiness is the pursuit of pleasure and the running away from pain. So, so that's how they measure happiness. That becomes the pursuit, in fact, is of everything they do, think, and say, of everything they plan and dream and stage and, and posture for, and, and they raise their kids to try to think like that, that you, you should, you, here's, here's a great philosophy of life. Chase pleasure and avoid pain. At all costs, avoid anything negative and just chase fun. And you'd be, you'd be shocked at how pervasive that theory is especially among the intellectual elite who disdain the idea that character only comes from suffering see this was this was Dr. Spock you know back in the 60s and 70s when he started you know changing the culture and, and you know don't don't discipline your children with whippings anymore you know, don't, don't use a corporal punishment. And I forget the wording he used. Uh, uh, I thought of it today, and, but it, I, I don't think of it often. But it was all about denial and reward. Rather than, rather than punishment and correction, it's all about denial. Just deny them something. Don't actually whip them. Just deny them. And then if they... If they don't act bad, then throw all kinds of gifts on them. And it literally, in the course of just a few decades, ruined an entire generation. And how did did he get to that theory and how did a nation follow him in mass? They first had to disregard this. Now, they shouldn't have done that. Because this is the owner's manual. (laughs) There's the manufacturer's playbook. You understand? So this is your B-I-B-L-E. They got a song like that. I think we sing that in Sunday school. And it's basic 
uh, instruction before leaving earth. <laughs> Amen. So, and it's full of principles. It's not just full of stories and histories and doctrines and teachings. It's full of principles that aren't, a lot of times they're not necessarily doctrines. Just like I said earlier when I said manhood is an office. That's a principle. That's not a doctrine. That's a principle. You understand? So there, there's principles like, you know, we, we coin phrases. You know, that if you, uh, what, how, how's the old saying go? If you do this, you spoil the child. I forget now. It's escaping my mind. But spare the rod. There you go. Thank you. Spare the rod. My, my son's are going, how did you forget that? <laughs> but if you spare the club, you, I mean, spare the rod, you spoil the child. Brother Eddie never used a rod or a club. He picked up whatever was closest to it. <laughs> it might be the mailbox jerked up out of the ground. It, you just didn't know. <laughs> but whatever he did worked. Amen. You know, and so whenever, whenever he didn't want to do anything, he turned the salt off hurricane loose on us. And Sister Jean could give you 40 lashes before you could say, wait, Mom. <laughs> Amen. That's a true story. Uh, and so I'm, I, but I today stand thankful for every one of them. Every last one of them. I couldn't understand as a child, you know, that she would say, I've got to, I got to think down the road. If I don't get this stopped now, what will this become? See, she understood compounding sin. She understood that. That compound interest in sin, it might be, this might be a small thing. Now, the punishment might seem much worse than the crime, but mom's not looking. She's looking at the compound. I see what this will become. I got to make sure I get it eliminated while, while I can get it eliminated, see. And so, so we find then that, that, that this whole idea of just chase fun, chase pleasure, whatever way you can find pleasure, and avoid Sin. You know, I, I was looking today and I, I, I try not to get too wrapped up in it because I can get very melancholy watching it with a love for history. And I go back and I, I study history and I was looking today at the history of the Third Reich. And, you know, it just caused me to, again, once again, for the umpteenth time in my life as a student of history, uh, it caused me again to see the futility of every tyrant or every strong man who ever lived who tried to dominate his fellow man through tyranny, through oppression. And none of them were ever true. They, if you go back and look at them all, they started out with all these ideals and ideological, oh, it sounds like you, he, he, this guy's going to build a utopia. I mean, that the whole reason they were trying to assassinate Lenin was because he betrayed the revolution. And, and the whole thing was now was supposed to actually bring freedom, brought more tyranny than the monarchy had, than the imperial czar had done. And so all these people now, all these young people are now disillusioned. And a young woman takes a gun and tries to gun him down, shoots three times. He, he survived, but he was never healthy again, never normal again, ended up having a stroke and dying. So she got him, you know, with kind of the, the long shot. And, and so, you know, and they, how many times they tried to assassinate Adolf Hitler and, and, and all, all kinds of tyrants. If you look at the history, they all had to worry about assassins. And many of them did get taken out by people close to them. 
you know, we, you know, um, Shakespeare wrote a lot about that. And, that. and that was the kind of a day that he lived in because, you know, everybody's gunning for the top guy. And so the whole thing is sinful. Uh, nobody, nobody had, if you, if you look at society, they, they were talking about how that, I remember Brother Branham said, you know, I went to see the remains of this great monarch and those guys, my arrogance was, uh, uh, their, their arrogance was indescribable and they just would kill people just for no reason. Oh, okay, I think you should die today. Why? I don't just, I just don't like you. Go die. And they would, and then people would die by the, by the tens of thousands. Genocide. Genocide is considered a phenomenon, which means they really can't fully explain it. It's like they know it shouldn't be. What is it that makes man turn on fellow man and commit the most horrific, almost indescribable? I was watching today. Uh, a testimony of, of a young woman who was seven, 16, 17, and 18, and she was at Auschwitz. She survived it. Her and her mother with just sheer tenacity. My goodness, those two ladies were amazing. And, uh, and, and she was just, she was, it was the most detail I had ever heard. She went back to visit and had a hard time walking back through it. She's got her oldest son, and she's giving him details, and, and they killed your grandfather and grandmother here, and here's where all your... Uh, aunts and uncles died and your cousins and all of our town folk and our school, my school chums, and I was the only survivor. And, and you know, and, and, and so, and, and I just thought to myself, you know, how is it, as Brother Branham said, when you go to look at what they've accomplished, you have to dig down into the earth yes, to even find their dusty old broken down remains. And I mean, I, you couldn't stand there in their presence and say, hey, you know, you dummy, you don't even realize there's a God above you and you're nothing. And in about 2,000 years, they're going to have to dig down in the sand to even find your throne where you sit now. Well, he would have killed you immediately for saying it, but you'd have been right. They, they, you know how many of them perished? All of them. You know how many ordinary men die? All of them. You know how many extraordinary family of God die? None of them. Hallelujah. So you got something to live for. You're not ordinary. You're extraordinary. You're part of the family of God. You got a gene of the heavenly father down inside you. And they're not going to have to come after Armageddon and dig down for my remains. I'll walk out on the top of the ashes of it. Hallelujah. All men come to the same place and their wives get laid beside them and I was looking, you know, at the, at the, the whole dichotomy, you know, that, that was John Kennedy. And, and then after he died, and then, you know, he's got a baby that's died. And then finally Jackie O dies, and they bury her beside him. And then John Jr. dies, and it's all part of prophecy where the Bible was going to take the name of Ahab out of existence. And even, and even talks about, I, I remember when John Kennedy Jr., you know, crashed his plane with his wife and a friend into the ocean and, you know, when you go back to see the offspring of Ahab and you look at his family and you see the mark, because Brother Branham talks, he, he took, goes to John Kennedy for a, to correlate Ahab and the Jezebel system behind him, not Jackie, but Rome. But, but Jackie was the one who had the connection from, from Paris to Hollywood, and, and, the, and the whole nonsense and vulgarity became pervasive here. 
until everybody had to have church women, pastors in churches, wanted a hairstyle like Jackie Onassis, like Jacqueline Kennedy. And Brother Branham talks about the correlations. Listen, when a prophet connects those dots, that's not an accident. And when you go and you look at how and how John dies and how John Jr. dies. And you go back to the Bible and you look at the heritage and the Bible says of him, he sank down in his chariot. He sank down in his chariot. Both of them sank down in the chariot they were riding in. God is not mocked. There's never been a prophecy that hasn't come to pass to the letter. It goes unnoticed by the world, and even if it's noticed, it's not cared about. Thank God you care. Thank God we care. I care about the word. I care about principles. See, so, so since death then, you know, it's why we said here some, some time ago, Chris and I were talking about that on, on our church workout day where we were saying, what's the point of life if you fail to gain eternal life? I mean, what's the real point? You live, you pay taxes, you die. You're probably sick about a third of the time and oppressed another third of the time and, 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 and whatever's left is probably a, a mix. A man born of a woman is just a few days and full of trouble. Full of trouble. See? And you don't have to be alive very long to understand that. That real life is not fair. And it can be very... Very depressing, you know, if, if enough things daisy-chained together that really just, just steals all hope from you. Amen. And people lose hope. And, and, I, and I just thought to myself, wow. You know, you say, you're not ordinary? No, I'm not ordinary. Because I don't even, I don't even mourn for the dead as others do. Right. Amen. I have a hope in Christ. It's, it doesn't say, you know, it doesn't say that I'm not sad at the loss, but, but, I, but I don't do it like the world does. I got an extra measure. I have a hope of the resurrection, and I really believe that. That's part of my whole psyche. It's not just something I, that I, I think is true, and I'm trying to make myself believe it. No, it's, it's even more than faith. It's me. It's part of me. So I'm, I, I'm no ordinary man. I have the life of the resurrection within me, so I really am actually death-proof. And so I, I really have only one purpose, friends. You say, what is your, Brother Jason, if you could name your greatest, if you, like David, and, and, and somebody said to you on your deathbed, what, what has been your greatest purpose in life? I, I would have all the things you know, to say to my sons and to my grandchildren that my dad said to me, that, that a prophet said to him and said to me. But, but if, you, if, if the question is, what would you consider your greatest goal in life? And I would say everything else pales by far in comparison to a single goal that on that day I'll stand with those in the book of Revelation and they stood around the throne and lifted and an innumerable number lifted up praises and glory and stood around the throne. I'll be around the throne of my creator. 
That's my goal in life. Everything else is subservient to that. Every motive, every objective, every plan, short term, mid term, long term. Every investment I make, the whole compounding of my life is to get me there around that throne. Hallelujah. And so it's interesting. I I was watching, um, you know, some of the testimonies of them and the, the generation today, you know, they have questions of that generation there that went along with Hitler like that and how could you have done it and the, the, the children were caught up in it and the teenagers were caught up in it and the, the middle-aged and the old and the elderly and everybody was just drunk with genocidal thoughts. And, of course, it wasn't every single one of them. There's great stories of heroism among the German people who did not agree with it and hid Jews and connived again and committed treasonous acts against their own government because they they considered God a higher government. And I believe God will have a place for them. Hallelujah. And I don't even know what denomination they might have been, but I'm here to tell you, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Amen. God will not forget that. He has a book of remembrance. Remembrance. And, but, but in general, generally speaking, and they, they have a question, and, you know, they, they ask one of the, and he had been one of the Hitler's kids, you know, and they, they're asking him, and he says, well, you know, he says, I, I, I can't answer it. He says, all I can tell you is it was a very terrible time. Amen. He says, it was a horrible time. And here's an old man struggling to try to put into words, how are you going to, how do you account for what happened? You were there. Please help this generation to understand that generation. But yet, that generation is no different than the, than the, than the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the terrible terrorism that we have today where they walk into crowded markets and blow up innocent people. It's all ideology. See, it's all you can't, you can't believe what ideology can make you do. And, and, the, and, and to the world, they don't understand how your ideology makes you live the way you live. How do you live like that? You're weird. You're a cult. No, we're not. I, how, how could I be weird or a cult when I espouse everything that's virtuous and everything that's just and everything that's decent and everything that's honest? The only, the only reason you look at me like that is because you're insane. And I, today, I stand on the principles that the church has always stood on. And so, you know, they, 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 they actually had a panel of experts. I'm going to try to stop a little early if I can. They had a panel of experts, doctor this and doctor that and doctor this and doctor that. Fine, that's good. But, but they're going to try to answer this genocide, this phenomenon and I, I listened to them for quite a little while. I didn't just give it a, a small listen. I actually sat for probably two or three hours just today going over these testimonies, trying to get my mind wrapped around what their thinking is. And the thing that I can tell you this, the thing that left me astonished the most is how easy I answered the questions, how quickly the answers to me were immediately obvious. 
And they have to have an hour and a half to go through these long, drawn-out, conflicted, the whole thing was so jacked up. By the time they got it done, they didn't even know who was what and who was on first and what was on second. <laughs> no one knew who's on third. And, and, and you know, they, they're, 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 they're trying to, to figure this out. And, you know, they got all these psychological theories. They had three questions. Here was their three questions. They were only trying to answer three questions. At a big summit, here's all kinds of people. We're only going to try to answer three questions. We have the most eminent experts on our platform, and we're going to take on these three perplexing questions that everybody seems to want to know. Why are some attracted to hateful and extreme ideologies? So as soon as I heard that question, I mean, I mean, of course, of course the answer must begin with the, you know, with the overarching what the Bible calls the cruelty of sin. That, that accounts for a lot of it. There's a lot of things in the world that seem so horrible and you just say, and then the people want to blame God and they say to a Christian or a preacher said, how, how, does, how does this happen if there's a God? And I just simply say, God doesn't do it. It's the cruelty of sin. Let's get that first. Let's get that straight. When God built the earth, it didn't have none of that. You see, and when it, whenever a nation was keeping his, his commandments, they didn't act like that. And so... So, so that's where it starts, but, but, but a really a more direct answer, which is what they were looking for, why are some attracted to hateful and extreme ideologies? And I just thought to myself, you know, that, that it's because of the fallen nature of man who's born in sin, he's a brute beast. How about we start with that? That never even entered the, entered the discussion. That's not even part of the equation. They're brute beast trying to figure out why other brute beasts act like brute beasts. <laughs> and nobody thinks to look in the mirror of God's word and go, the enemy is me. And, 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 and if I was converted and if Hitler had got the Holy Ghost, he wouldn't have acted that way. And it wouldn't have mattered what kind of childhood he had. It wouldn't have mattered who his mentors were. Once the Holy Ghost comes in, in five seconds, you're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and all things become new. See? They had a second question. Why are others willing? Now, this was, I thought this was amazing. Why are others willing to take extraordinary risk to help neighbors or even people they don't know? And they're, that, there's... They, they were doing that. Some Germans were committing treasonous acts and hiding people. Sometimes they get caught and then they get killed with them. And, and, you, and you had, you know, and, and, and I thought, so what, what makes others willing to take extraordinary risk to help neighbors or even people they don't know? Well, first of all, we're going to start with that all humankind is created in the image of God and, and, and make decisions there, there's going to be an, an unwise virgin who are sanctified saints, who are righteous people, who aren't even born again of the Holy Ghost. There, there are people in the world who are going to gain eternal life because of a kind deed they did and were a benefit to God's family. Say, well, how did they get so lucky? They weren't lucky. It's obvious that from some point in their life, they started making decisions about good and compounding interest paid off. That's not hard for me to figure out. Maybe many, 
Maybe some of them had the Holy Ghost and were born again, and that's why they did it, but maybe not all of them were, but even, even good people. Let me tell you something, friends. There's going to be, heaven is going to be thronged with millions of people who are not part of the bride. The bride lives in the royal city. But the whole world will be filled with nations of people who made decisions to refuse deep evil from a very young age and it just kept compounding and they grew up and became a decent human being. I'm not talking about good old boys getting to heaven. Not, that's not what I'm suggesting. Good old boys generally don't get to heaven. See? Because we're, we're not talking about you know, kind, good-natured people who are just easy going and get drunk, but they're still easy going. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who, built in the image of God, know that right is right and wrong is wrong. And God will have a place for them. He absolutely will. So compounding, you know, that it's so compounding here, here, what I was talking about at the beginning, this compounding thing, it's so compounding to people that they will not only risk their lives, and did, they'll knowingly risk the, their lives of their family and children. If they get caught, they're all going to die. So don't underestimate the power of compound goodness. Do good. The Bible says that. It's a direct commandment. Do good. Do that which is right. In the sight of God. For 4,000 years, people did right who weren't born again. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost wasn't given. You understand? But for 4,000 years, for, 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 I mean, I mean, here comes Abimelech. He's not even in Abraham's family. He'll never be in Abraham's family. He's not going to be part of the elected, but he's not down there in Sodom. And he's a noble king, and he's, he, he prays, and God talks to him. And he's never gonna, he's never gonna understand who is who this Melchizedek was. God, there's no covenant promise to, to him, but God get, spares him and calls him a, 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 a righteous man. I'm telling you something, friends. Just remember, that's why that's why I say to a lot of people sometimes, you say, I can't win them to the message. Well, that's 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 his election. I mean, that's, that's the election. That's the seed gene is there or it's not. That doesn't mean that, that you can't lead them to Christ and they could find heaven, a heavenly home. That's going to happen to millions of people. So always look to do good and always look to witness and, and always you're going to try to fish for to see if maybe a gene seed is laying there. But if it's not, tell them about the love of God and what he's done to you. Amen. See? So, so we find then that, 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 you know, that, that compounding good then becomes, really becomes a bulwark against compounding evil. And I mean, that might be true in the, that you could have, I mean, some of those German people had that evil family the next door to them or across the street. So you just never know where you're going to encounter evil. But that's why Jesus, that Jesus was so strange to the Jews because they had never heard of a rabbi saying that, that if someone steals your coat, give him your cloak also. And he, they're hearing Jesus. They'd always heard the, the, the other Pharisees say, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And they had to have sanctuary cities and people had to run for their lives. And Jesus said, but I say unto you, forgive and do good to them which evilly mistreat you. If you only do good to those who are good to you, 
then what, what makes you different from a sinner? See, so, so being a Christian is extraordinary. You understand, you're an extraordinary person. The third question was, why do societies fall? That's probably the easiest one of all. Why have they always fallen? That's what they should have asked. You know, I can look back as a student of history, and they've always fell. Always. And the thing that got them was because the sinful mind is enmity against God and can never agree with God, and it's always going to choose evil, and it always has. And so the mind of Christ is passed on. It's passed on an overwhelming majority, especially among the intellectual elite, and they espouse the sin and perversions that are against God's word uh, instead of the life principles that it teaches. Brother Branham says this, and I'm going to stop. I'm going to close with this. Because here's, here's where I want to position myself for next time. Brother Branham says in the message, one in a million, <laughs> tremendous message. Brother Branham comes to the pulpit three different times. He comes up in this like little short 15, 20-minute sermons. Then somehow, I'm not sure what's going on. I think it maybe it's because of the radio. They had radio slots, and then they go off the air. Then, okay, Brother Branham, come back, and he comes back up again. And finally, he says, okay, this is my third time up here, and, uh, but the people are still pulling. But he says here in the very first uh, of the three uh, segments, he says, speaking of God, he is supposed to, according to the Scriptures, Return to us in this last days in this type of ministry. That will be after the baptism. Now watch, he's going to go back to Azusa, the, the most recent revival. He says, that will be this ministry that's coming. That will be after the baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues and divine healing and so forth, these things. The capping of the Pentecostal message is what we're speaking of today. So you're taught well in this. We don't, when we say we're looking for the capping, that's not at the neglect of, the, of what built to it. But neither do we cabbage on, on the building blocks. We want to come to the completion. You understand? So we take all of it and we bring it all together in balance and harmony. And so he, and, but, but here's, here's the real takeaway. That the Azusa revival was never going to be able to put a bride in a rapture. Amen. And, it was the, and it was the last great gasp of the ages. It was the last best thing and it was the, it was the Hail Mary and they, they, they threw it and it landed and it was a great revival and within months, Satan was already dividing them. They were already starting to denominate. They were already starting to split up here and split up there and by the time Brother Branham even got around them, they were already, so they were already as divided as we Baptists were. And he spends all these years trying to get them together. Brothers, we're one, we're one, we're one. Until they finally just shut their doors because he won't side with this one, he won't side with that. And he said, I've stood between them and tried to say we're one. And nobody wanted to hear that. And so the age closes out as, as, as God's dealing with the church because the church comes to a point where, and this is what a prophet taught us, she is no longer the mouthpiece of God. Amen. She had been through the ages, but she reaches a point where she's no longer the mouthpiece of God. She's kicked Christ out. She's no longer the mouthpiece of God. She, Brother Ram says, she's her own mouthpiece. And God will confound her through the prophet and the bride. Amen? And that's why a bride under her prophet is the final voice or the final demonstration. The last will and testament, the last image that God is proving to a world of what it means to be extraordinary. 
of what it means to be an elect, of what it means to be back to the original, like the original family. So he says the capping of the Pentecostal message is what we're speaking of today. This ministry of Christ, now watch this, this is a mouthful. You ready to, you ready to feel extraordinary? This ministry, the one he's speaking of, this ministry of Christ himself impersonated among his people with the very same things that he did when he was here on earth in his body. The bride, which is part of him, doing the same things as husband and wife or king and queen just before the marriage ceremony. This can't be ordinary people. What I just read to you can't be ordinary people. Yeah, it's got to be ordinary plus. Thanks, Mike. He goes on. Now watch this. I'm going to read you these two, two paragraphs, and we're going we're gonna to hit the brakes, pull the chute, and jump out. This week, the Lord willing, I wish to speak on some of that out in our campaign here to kind of get acquainted. He says, the time and the hour that we're living, if a person don't know, now follow me close, if a person don't know which way to go, what to do, or how to turn, you're not walking by faith anymore. That's easy. I get that. You get that? If you, if you don't know which way to go and what to do, if, if all the events of the world are leaving you bewildered and you don't know, you don't know how, how, how am I supposed to be a Christian? What do I do? I, I see what's happening in the government, what's happening in socialism, what's happening in education, what's happening in science, what's happening in the earth. I see what's happening. And, and you know, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? The whole world, the whole world is doing that. They're, they're going in circles trying to figure it all out. They're not operating in faith. They're running in fear. But that's not for you. That's for ordinary people who, who have not uh, given the time they should have given to God's instruction. But to you who have loved his appearing, you're supposed to be operating by faith. See? Now watch. He's gonna, it's going to get worse. Then you're not walking by faith anymore. You're just guessing. You're presuming. Presume is to advance without official authority. Now, here's a real question. So if we haven't got the real official authority to know what God said would take place in this hour, how are we ever going to face this hour? Amen. Read it again. If we haven't got the real official authority, in other words, thus saith the Lord on the word, to know thus saith the Lord. No question, no guessing. This is what it is. This is what the seven seals doing. This is what the message is. This is the people it's calling. See, if you don't have an authoritative, an official authority, if you don't have an authoritative word on that, then, then the world, you're, and, here, and here's what makes it worse. If we, if we haven't got the real official authority to know what God said would take place in this hour, in other words, if we don't have thus saith the Lord, then how are we ever going to face this hour? Here it is. And we've got to face it. I mean, I'd like to give you a pass and say, don't worry, if you don't get it, you just, you just get a pass, you won't have to face it. No, you're facing it every day. You are facing it when you woke up this morning, you're gonna face it tomorrow. Your children are facing it. Amen. And so I ask you tonight, where, where are you getting your authority from? 
Oh, I hope you're not getting it from intellectualism. I hope it's a fire-breathing experience of the Holy Ghost that'll not only ratify and vindicate this message, but it'll, it'll migrate it from text behind skin and it'll make you a living word in the hour. And that's how you will face it. We've got to face it knowing by faith in his word the things that's supposed to be happening now. Here's, the, here's, the, here's three names. The condition of the nations, the condition of the people, the condition of the church, and so forth. We've got to know that. Last paragraph. We've got to know that. And then how to walk out to face it if you don't know how to do that. You're just what we used to call kind of haphazardly just jump in, hoping it'll be here, hoping this and hoping that, and will it be, but God don't, I love this Kentucky word, God don't want us to do that. Could I say to you tonight in a hillbilly way, God don't want us to do that. He doesn't want you unsure. He, want, he doesn't want you to see yourself as ordinary. He wants you to not only see yourself as extraordinary, but he wants you to take on the responsibility of what that entails. And that is a life totally surrendered to God so that you become a north star to someone looking to find life. That you become a guide. You become a light to a dark world. See? We've got to know that. We've got to know how to walk out to face it. If you don't know how, then you're just haphazardly. See? God don't want us to do that. He wants us to know what he said about this day and then meet it by faith because he said it would be that way. Then we know your truth then because you haven't got some person's word for it. You've got his word of what we must do. And we're, we're hoping that our heavenly father will grant this to us this week. I'm here to tell you something, friends. Every gate that held my soul from a sin birth has been opened. And I stand a free man tonight. Every gate of sin, every order, everything that made me an ordinary like all other men born in sin come into the world speaking lies. Everything that made me an ordinary man made you an ordinary woman, ordinary man, ordinary young person. I'm here to tell you they're, they're, that all you've got to do is get the gate to open that gate that tries to hold that soul in an unconverted condition, I'm here to tell you something, friends. Satan can't hold that on you. You can go right out of that gate in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can walk right into the promised land of the Holy Ghost. And my soul is free. It's already back home. It's already over. Satan, it's already too late. I love that. I tell him all the time, you're already too late. I mean, it's, it's not just I could just say, Satan, you're too late. I, I just love adding that little bit. No, you're actually already too late. Which means you already didn't have a chance. Now you got less. <laughs> it's already too late. I'm already in heavenly places. I have no unbelief. Say, how do you know you have no unbelief? Because I have no desire for sin. I have only one desire. And my whole battle, my greatest battle, every fault that I'm fighting is to bring my mind and my body, my hands and my ears and my eyes subject to what's already happened within me and has made me an extraordinary person. Hallelujah. The effects of sin on these human realms are conquered. My flesh, my body, my spirit, my mind 
are still held. But I don't have to live held. You just remember that today, yeah? Your mind, your body, it's still in this fallen state. You're still dying in your corporal body. But I'm here to tell you, I don't have to live like I'm held. Oh, my, that trumpet's going to sound. It's near sounding. Do you believe that? It's near to sounding once and for all. No, I'm not an ordinary man, and we are not an ordinary people. Stand up, all you extraordinary people of God who God has loved in an extraordinary way, who has sent you in an extraordinary word so that you can do extraordinary things. In the last day, the people who know their God are going to have that kind of a lifestyle. They're going to do amazing, extraordinary things. Things, you know, when, when you do something like that, it's beyond you. It's some, it's some extra measure that you wouldn't have normally been able to do. But somehow, men have had tremendous heroics. But like, like Brother Branham said, many good men died, and many good men died for even a good cause. But still, they died like ordinary men. And if they didn't die ready to meet God, they went where all ordinary men who aren't ready to meet God go when they die. Say, where is that? Where they all go? Why, why, what's the common denominator? They didn't know God in the opportunity. God gave them life and a way to know God. And that it, God made it so clear that even all they had to do was acknowledge him in nature and not be a heathen and not worship the creation more than the creator. And have a, because, and the whole reason for that was not because that heathenism didn't start out because of a lack of understanding. It started out as a choice that when they knew God, they chose not to worship Him as God. And they made to themselves four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds and all kinds of statues. But there was a time when they knew God. And they chose not to have, they chose to just be ordinary people. Not me. Not me. No, no, no way. No way. I am not here to be an ordinary man and go to the ordinary place where all ordinary godless people go. I'm going to, I've got a whole new world waiting on me. I have made up my mind. I have made up my mind. I've started with Jesus and I'm going through. I'm going all the way. I'm not sidetracking. I'm certainly not backing up. I'm not even going to stand still because if you stand still, you start backsliding. Because the world's like a treadmill. It's in motion constantly. And if you stop progressing, you'll start declining. See, you can't, you can't do that. You've got you to gotta constantly press toward this mark. Press means strain, means stretch, means reach. See, amen. I can't go any further. If I do, I'll be in next time material. We're going to have uh, Brother Scott Smith with us this coming weekend. And uh, we're having our service that's going to be a it's going to be a regular service but it's going to have a theme as a memorial to sister jan hall and uh, for those of you who may not know her as good as some of other other of us other more uh, charter members do brother gary and sister jan were with us back in the a-frame they were uh they were probably in the current audience probably second only to mike and wanda as far as who's been around the longest 
I think Mike and Wanda were ahead of them. I'm pretty sure that y'all were already in the church before they got there. Same time? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Rich and Rosalina. That's right. Praise the Lord. So we're going to, uh, and Brother Charles, God bless you. Don't let me forget Brother Charles. Amen. So we, we, we want to do that this weekend, and we're going we're gonna to run up. There won't be any Sunday school classes. We're going to start up straight away um, at, at 11. Uh, we'll probably have the church open by about, you know, by 1030, maybe 1040. You can come in, and it'll be just like normal, and uh, we'll have some music playing. And then we're going to start with just an abbreviated song service, maybe one or two songs, and then I'm going to take it from there, and I'm going to kind of give a little bit of what I wanted to say. I wasn't given the opportunity at her funeral, so I'll get a chance at her memorial. And then um, the family also is going to have some things they want to read and say, and they're going to have a slideshow. Uh, so we're going to schedule all that out, and then and then we're going to uh, have Brother Scott come out. So so it won't, it's not going to be some long, drawn-out thing. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to get everything done uh, probably in about 40 minutes before Brother Scott is turned loose, and that's pretty normal. Our Sunday mornings usually go about 35, 40 minutes before I get going. And so that it'll kind of run like a normal thing. And then Brother Scott will maybe take a few minutes, maybe he thought maybe 10 or so minutes, and finish up some comments he didn't have enough time for uh, at the funeral. And then he's just going to throw down and preach. He's going to just say what he wants to about Sister Jan, and then he's going to preach a sermon. And so it'll kind of run a normal course. And when we dismiss, we'll have, we're going to have a big church full-blown dinner, and, uh, and it kind of be an honor of the family. We've got quite a few of the family members of Sister Jan here, and uh, we're going to and, and going to kind of have that. We'll have visitors, so you better make sure you come early if you want to see, because there, there will no doubt be some visitors. Amen. And that's what we've got planned for this weekend. Before I forget it, uh, you know we, we've got Brother Donnie coming the first week of March. We also have, in the first Sunday of February, Brother Elijah Gibbs will be with us. So he'll be here on that Sunday, just that one service only on Sunday, the uh, February 5. Praise the Lord. You love the Lord? You happy? <clears throat> happy to be a Christian? Gather around the front with me, y'all. We ain't done that in ages. Yes and yes. Everybody come on up. Oh, look, nobody hardly knows how to do it. You got, Come on. Everybody get out of your seat. Come all the way up here. And, and all y'all veterans, tell them what Brother Jason won't allow. You got to get up tight. You got to come up close. Come up close. Come up close. No lingering way back. Amen. Amen. We haven't done this. Oh, you extraordinary. Extraordinary. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, come on. Keep tightening. People are still coming. Keep tightening it in. They're still coming. They're still coming. Amen. Let me get to my prayer request list. We used to do this all the time, and the pandemonic uh, took it from us, but I thought to myself tonight I wanted to get it back. I have two prayer requests. I'm going to make sure I don't have any more. Um, did this one get read already? Let's read it again. Please keep me in prayer. Oh, this is Brother Chris about work. He got laid off, and so uh, let's pray the Lord to give our brother, amen, a good, steady-paying job with good money. Pastor David Seiler in Manchester, Tennessee writes, Would you join us in prayer today for Sister Vicki Tidwell, struggling with leukemia? Her blood numbers have bottomed out, 
and she is in desperate need of prayer. Sister Vicki's been battling that a long time. Um, so Sister Meredith writes, Brother Jason, could you have the church pray for mom tomorrow? She is having a procedure done on her heart around 10 a.m. or 10 o'clock. I'm assuming, Doc, it's a.m., 10 a.m.? Yeah. It's ba- it basically requires the same method of a heart cath to place a device in the heart and she should be able to go home the same day if all goes well and they are done by noon, praying the Lord's protection and all goes smoothly with no complications. Let me make sure. Uh, is this one here? Yes. Brother uh, JD is out of town ministering. Where's he at, Amy? Uh, oh, okay. It, up in Indiana. Okay. And then Matt leaves tomorrow to be at Brother Ed Hammermeister in Edmonton. And so we want to pray for members of our team ministering out. Um, I didn't have, I don't think, I didn't have any other request. And just as a reminder, sometimes I I get them right at the last minute and then sometimes I get to my office and I've already missed them. So try to get them to me maybe before church or certainly before I finish preaching so I'll see them. But I don't see any others, and I, I gotta quit looking, and we're gonna pray. Amen. Isn't the Lord good? Let's sing, Brother Brad, before we go to prayer. He says, Peace. Peace be still. Peace be still. He lives his Like a child and like a child, my heart obeys him when he says, When he says, Peace be still, peace be still, in a very worshipful way. Raise up your hands and sing it to him. Oh, he says peace. Amen. up to you, Lord God. We come together as a family, as a group of believing saints, Lord God. We bring these requests before you. We thank you for your word tonight, Lord. I thank you for the pull on the word. I thank you for the fresh anointing that I felt, Lord. Thank you for delivering to us, Father, the bread of life. May it challenge us, oh God. 
As we go from here tonight, Lord, tomorrow when we rise, may we realize I need to be extraordinary. An extraordinary God kept an extraordinary promise. Sent an extraordinary word to an extraordinary people. May you grant it to us, Lord, that we should go forth, Father, keeping thy word at an extraordinary, at an extraordinary level. May you grant it to us, Father. May we have extraordinary faith tonight as we lift up Sister Vicki Tidwell to you. Right now, oh God, we call her name. Lord, many have prayed for her. We remember her still at this hour. Oh, Master, may you bring, may you bring healing to our sister. Drive the enemy from her once and for all, Lord God. Father, we pray tonight, Father. Oh, Lord, for Brother Chris St. John in this job situation that he needs. Lord, you see his need. You see the commitment he's made to you to serve you, Father. And the enemy trying to fight him. But I pray for him, Lord God. I pray you open the door to a perfect job, a perfect career opportunity that our brother could have his life turned around, Father. Oh, Father, for Sister Maxwell tonight, we ask humbly, Father, that you would right now, oh God, be in in all the preparation, everything that's being prepared. Father, may she go into it strong. May she stay strong through it. May she be strong coming out of it. May there be a perfect procedure. Be with the staff. Be with the equipment. Be with everything, Lord. Go before her, Father, and prepare that perfect blessed path for her. We commit it to you, Lord. We love her, Father, and we're thinking of her. And tomorrow, bring it back to our memory, Lord, right at the 10 o'clock hour to be in prayer for her. I commit it to you, Lord. We're believing, Father. There are many needs, no doubt, in, in hearts tonight, Lord God. No doubt the Word uncovered needs, Father. That when we came here, maybe we didn't know we had a need of that, and the Word uncovered it. I pray for that tonight, Lord. I pray for that need. I ask you to move, Father. Draw us together. Bring us to higher heights, Lord God. Be with your ministers, Lord. Be with Brother Jason as he's carrying the gospel. Be with Brother Matt tomorrow. Lord God, may the the angel of the Lord's presence go before them, Father, preparing the way for the word of God. Let nothing hinder. We condemn the work of the enemy who will try, no doubt, to hinder your word. So therefore, Lord God, we send this prayer in advance. Lord, that great victory would come. We commit it to you now. Be with their families, Lord. We commit all these things to you. Lord, we're looking forward to the weekend. Lord, we're, we're, we're looking forward with joy to the opportunity to memorialize the wonderful life and friendship of our dear sister who we love for so many years, Lord God. What a grand sister she was indeed, Father. And I just know how happy she is tonight, Lord God. I pray that you put strength in the family, Lord God. May it be so. We commit it all to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Turn around and shake hands with somebody standing near you. Amen. Now, here's what we. Here's how we finish. Anybody got a testimony you want to give before we go? Amen. Anybody got a testimony tonight? Praise the Lord. Lord did something for you, and you want to say something about it? Man, we ain't done this in so many years. Oh, who is it? Somebody, did I see a, a hand wave? Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay, how many love the Lord? Well, that's a good testimony. God bless you. We'll we'll see you this weekend. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you. Sing, Brother Bradley. He says, peace, peace, peace.
we are standing.